Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Becky. I am one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Today, joining us for our discussion, we have Steve Wilson, who's a Christian author with a Master of Divinity degree from United Theological Seminary, and Mick Wells, who's co-host of the Cross Connection radio program and also a songwriter. Gentlemen, welcome to today's session. Today's session, we're going to be talking about prayer. We might get into various aspects of prayer, but one of the questions that we might want to answer today is, what happens when we pray? Maybe along with that, what is prayer? Maybe along with that, what does the Bible have to say about prayer? And to start things off today, I'd like to read this passage from the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 6, starting at verse 7. The New International Version reads this way, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oh, right there, we have a pattern of prayer. Some people believe that that's the way that you are supposed to pray. Some people believe that those are the words you're supposed to pray every time you pray. I remember that when I was a child, I used to think that I had to say those words to pray to God because that's what Jesus said we were supposed to pray. I remember that in a previous session of Reconciling Grace, we talked about the fact that not everybody is of the same spiritual maturity, and a child might understand things like that, or maybe a brand new Christian might understand things like that. I used to think that that was how we had to pray, those specific words. But those aren't the only words that uh, the Bible talks about with prayer. And so, Mick, I think you have a passage for us from Luke chapter 11, and I believe that these words that you're about to read come right after Luke's recording of what Jesus said about praying the words of the Lord's Prayer. Yes, um, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 8, records some commentary that Jesus gives right after uh, telling his disciples, uh, showing them how to pray with the Lord's Prayer that Pete just read. And the word tells us, then he, Jesus, said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, Don't bother me, the door has already been shut, and my children and I are, are in bed. I cannot give, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though... He will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So that kind of brings in a little bit different uh, idea, because one of the things that I read in Matthew chapter 6 
when I first started uh, the passage, starting at verse 7, it talks about when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And then pray this way and goes to the Lord's Prayer. Yet in Luke, when Jesus is talking, basically probably at the same time um, when he introduced the Lord's Prayer, right after that, he talks about somebody who just keeps on going and, and asking and almost like bugs his neighbor so much that his neighbor says, fine. Yeah, Pete, I, I think that that could be construed as babbling, a lot of repetition. Some mm-hmm. people might think that. Uh, what strikes me about this, and believe me, I, I think scriptures trump my doubts, but when I read an example that Jesus gives, I think Jesus is sharing with us the character of God. So there's part of me that is a little bothered that that Jesus, by analogy here, would say, don't bother me, Uh, I can't do anything for you here. Is that showing the character of God toward me when I approach him? And I'd like your thoughts on that because I frankly don't have a good answer. Well, you know, and that's one of the great things about this program. We might not always have a good answer. To me, one of the things that this is saying is every parable breaks down somewhere. You know, you, you can't take it to the to the full length because anytime Jesus is using a human illustration, that there is no person who is God. There is no person who is perfect as God is. And in fact, though, the idea, though, about bugging and, and, and pestering somebody is brought up also in uh, Luke chapter 18. And uh, Steve, would you go ahead and read from Luke chapter 18? You're starting at uh, which verse is that? Chapter 18, verse 1, I believe, right? Verses 1 through 8 of Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time the judge refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I think maybe right there is part of the answer to Mick's question, um, because Jesus says that this is an unjust judge. He's not trying to compare him with uh, with God. But um, even the unjust judge will answer when somebody needs something. But Steve, you actually went in and... Um, read that last sentence, which is really interesting. It's part of the Bible, which is, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Do you see this as connecting to the idea of of prayer? You know, how about the prayer of faith? Right, so when we pray, 
Um, we're trusting that there's going to be a result. You know, we're not praying the, the empty words like the pagans did in, in Matthew 6 that Jesus referred to. We are trusting that God is going to act. And the thing is, though, is he always going to act the way we want him to act? You know, what, what, what makes us pray? Is it only for a specific outcome? Are we supposed to pray for a specific outcome? Are we supposed to pray um, just simply, Lord, thy will be done, and, and leave it at that? Can we know God's will? You know, Jesus said at another point in the Bible that if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, get up and be thrown into the sea. Yet, I want to tell you guys something. I don't know that I can think of a time in, in my life or in, in the history of the world where it would truly be God's will that I would say to this mountain, get up and be thrown into the sea. What would be the point of it? But yet he talks about the word faith there. And faith, to me, means believing that this is truly what God wants to do. So if we pray a prayer of faith, what do you guys think about this? This is one of the things that's bothered me for many years, is if we pray in faith, does this mean that God's just automatically going to give us what we want? Do you have any thoughts on that, either one of you? Well, I don't think it's, I don't think we can look at God as some kind of cosmic vending machine. Um, the issue of asking for something specific kind of uh, centers or, or flows from what we're talking about here, and I've wrestled with that. Great men of the faith that I've respected have, have gone so far as to say they will pray for something once if they're going to ask God for something. And they believe that if you ask God for the same thing more than once, it's a sign of unbelief. So I go, I extrapolate on that a little bit. So should we pray for anything specific at all if our ultimate prayer is that God's will be done? Because if we pray in specifics, if you look at it that way, we, we've kind of reduced prayer to some kind of glorified guessing game. You know, I asked God for this. He said no because it wasn't his will. Well, bad on me. Then I'll go back and fold my tent, or I'll ask for something different to try to get it right that time. And I, I know that's kind of... Um, plain street language, but I, th I think it... Uh, adequately explains um, some dilemma on my part when it comes to prayer. I've asked for uh, people to be healed, and they weren't healed, and I've asked for this or that with good intentions for my family, for my children, for this and that, and it came back by circumstance, uh, you know, they often say God will answer prayer yes, no, or wait. Well, wait kind of turned into no by implication, and so I'm thinking, should I even ask for anything specific because I am perfectly comfortable saying, thy will be done, Lord, but then you have to accept the outcome 
as his will, I guess. Sure, and that's that's very much uh, sometimes been my own uh, experience as well. Um, praying, I really want this to happen, and it says it's almost as though I can't just leave it with that. I almost always have to say, "But Lord, if that's not Your will, then whatever You want." And that's hard to know sometimes because I don't always know God's will. You know, I don't mean to pick on anybody here. Do you have any insights on this, Steve? I mean, you're the you're the seminary graduate. Uh oh. I think that's um, where we have to ask, what is prayer? To me, prayer is a conversation. It's an expression of my relationship with my dad, with my heavenly father, and. As part of that authentic relationship, he invites me um, to talk to him about what I want, about what I'm concerned about. And it needs to be respectful on my part. You know, if, if, if my dad says no, I need to respect that. Um, if he doesn't explain why he says no, I need to respect that. Um, and at the same time, I need to be willing to listen and not just speak. So, you know, I can I can pour my heart out. I can say, God, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want. Um, but then let me listen for a minute and say, what do you want? What do you want to speak into my heart right now? That's a wonderful thought. And let's continue with that here shortly, right after we have a word from our sponsor. And we're back with today's episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm joined today by Mick Wells and Steve Wilson. And just before the break, Steve had said something about prayer, that it's not just our speaking to God, but letting God speak to us. And one of the things that I wanted to say before I get more into that God speaking to us is that this subject of prayer is something that has confounded many people throughout the centuries. Most people have read books by great Christian authors or or writings by great Christian authors, great theologians, and I can't remember what, what book it was that I read a number of years ago, but basically it was saying that if you look at the names of these different theologians or authors or, or well-respected people throughout the centuries, the one thing that they said that they wished was that they had a better prayer life. And I think that maybe we're all like that because it's really hard sometimes to know what God is saying to us. We can talk, but then very, very, very few times in my life have I heard an audible voice. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard an audible voice when I'm praying. Now, there have been a couple of times, maybe more than a couple, but not very many, when I have distinctly sensed something in my spirit to the point where I could almost hear words. I did not audibly hear them, but I could hear them in my spirit. But let me tell you, that is the exception rather than the rule. So how do we find God's will? How do we hear God speaking to us? Mick, you said that was one of your questions. Did you have anything more to add to that, or is it just something that confounds you? 
not to use a cliche, but for years and years and years, I have confessed to anybody willing to entertain listening that I flunked Discernment 101. And I think it's been proven out circumstantially in my life. Um, I just don't know. If, if I'm on my knees and I'm, I pause to listen to the Lord, maybe the answer was wait, and I won't get an answer uh, for a long time. I don't know. I've read all kinds. You, you pick up Christian books. Some of them kind of lean to the charismatic side. But they'll say, I was doing this or that, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said this, 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 and this. I'm thinking of a friend of mine years ago who was at a church uh, over uh, near Dayton. Somebody got up in the service and said, God told me that we are to tear this church down and build a 15-story high-rise, which will start to be a university. And the people looked at each other in amazement and said, we don't know whether Jesus told you that or whether you dreamed it up or whether you were on drugs or what. They didn't know what to do with something like that. Well, let alone whether God answered that other individual's prayer, it's awfully hard sometimes to know and discern. You know, the Bible says even Satan can appear as an angel of light. You may think that you're getting an answer just because it sounds good. And, and that's an, I don't want to digress, Pete, but I know a lot of people who will ask the Lord the hard questions, and if the answer is sensed and comes back and says, no, I don't, I don't want you doing that because if you do that, uh, there's some bad things are going to happen. Because the nature of the answer is bad, they attribute it to the satanic side as opposed to a loving God who will, is, loves you enough to be honest with you and, and warn you and tell you. So this is a whole area where I kind of have to lean on providence. Uh, how does God, you know, the, the Bible says, uh, lean not under your own understanding, trust in the Lord in all your ways. He will direct your paths. Uh, if you believe that, then the paths that you walk are ordained by God. And you kind of have to look for how is God answering my prayer in the circumstances of my life. And, you know, there are many ways that prayer is answered, I, I believe, that through illuminating a particular scripture and making it meaningful to your personal situation or uh, open doors and closed doors and, and things like that. But it's a very, it's a very tough question, and I, um, I would love to know uh, the character of God and His attitude when we approach Him like this. Um, I've got a zillion thoughts on this, uh, Pete, but I'll throw it back to you. Well, I think that you're you're hitting the nail on the head. I think for a lot of people, because how do we hear God? I know that for me. More often than not, it is simply a peace within my heart where it's like, I just, I just know that this is the direction I have to go. One of the things that I have said will turn me off more than anything is when somebody starts out a sentence with, God told me to tell you, <laughs> yeah. and then I kind of stop them, you know, because 
I, I, I don't know. I probably won't stop them. I'm too polite, but I probably turn it off mentally here. Um, but there are there are so many different ways that God acts. And I think that one of the things that, that you mentioned, Mick, was about, for instance, this gentleman who said that they have to build the 15-story university. I would have said, okay, we need to have some confirmation on that. And if everybody else is looking around saying, huh, what? I mean, our minds are not perfect. Any thought could come into my mind from anywhere. It doesn't have to be God or the devil. It could be that I saw a 15-story building uh, on my way to church. You know, and, and that's just the fact that our minds are imperfect. Now, I don't know if there's something else, Steve, that you would like to add at this point, or you you just been kind of uh, quiet. Pete, God told me to tell you that it's my turn to talk. Okay, oh. I'll let you. I'll let you. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right, about the, the discernment, I mean, that's why we're a body of Christ, right? We should uh, keep each other in check, guide each other. Uh, we should submit to one another. Now, there's a 2,000-year history of Christianity that, that we can fall on. And um, like David said, he said, don't let me stray to the right or to the left. And I think that's uh, kind of my policy, my, uh, one of my, my, my life mantras is to you know, kind of stay balanced. Listen to the majority, the... Um, the unifying voice of Christianity and kind of land somewhere in the middle there. Uh, but as far as how God speaks to us, uh, and especially in prayer, I think it's more a feeling. Um, I have had, like you, those times where, you know, I could probably write down exactly what I thought God was saying. Uh, but usually it's, it's just a feeling. And let me again remind you that those times that have happened have been very, very rare. Right. Yeah, yeah, me too. Maybe twice. Um, but His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is living in me. And just like I can you know, kind of understand the things that I'm feeling personally, I can get a sense of what God is feeling in a certain situation. Um, and if I'm in a relationship with Him, it's more about God reminding me who He is and who he wants me to be in a certain situation rather than what his plan is uh, for answering a certain prayer or, or acting in a certain way. I think that this goes very well with the, the question of who are we and maybe even more importantly, whose are we? Because we belong to God. And, and if we truly believe that, that Jesus died to save us, we truly believe that, you know, we say, ask Jesus into your heart. That's what they tell the little kids all the time. If we truly believe that Jesus lives within us, I, I, first of all, I do believe that. And so that becomes part of me. That becomes my motivation. We've talked about this in previous episodes about how love is our motivating factor. Well, how do we love? It's because the love of Christ fills us and it, and it changes our lives. So I think, Steve, what you're just saying about the whole idea about a feeling, or I called it a, a, a sense of peace, or, or however we might want to describe it, the truth is that, that when Jesus lives within us through his Holy Spirit, he is affecting us. So he does affect how we think. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. 
That doesn't mean that, as I said before, our minds can't play tricks on us. You know, we could have seen that 15-story church building on the way, or, or university on the way to church, and, and thought, we need to build a church. You know, I'm not saying that can't happen, but I think it would be confirmed. And another way that I think it's confirmed, besides the history that you're talking about, Steve, the history of the church, the 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 I think you and I have talked about this years ago, talking about what do the fathers say, you know, the fathers of Christianity throughout mm-hmm. the many years right. of, of things. And by the way, Steve and I have known each other for a number of years, not quite as many as Mick and I have known each other. But um, it's also through what does the Bible say? Generally speaking, I don't think that when when we pray, we're going to hear God tell us to do something that goes against what the Bible says. God won't contradict himself. Right, right. Now, gosh, we could open up so many cans of worms here, such as, you know, did God truly tell Dietrich Bonhoeffer to assassinate Adolf Hitler? You know, you know what I say to that? That's between God and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, (laughs) because I'm not here to judge Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And for those of you who may not know, he was he was um, somebody who was a pastor in Nazi Germany when when um, Adolf Hitler came to power. And and Adolf Hitler, as we know, especially now looking back in time, was responsible for millions of deaths, um, especially to the to the Jewish people, but also just through the trying to take over territories and countries through war. But, you know, that's an exception. I think by and large, Steve, as you said, God isn't going to contradict himself by telling somebody to do something that is contrary to what the Bible says. I think you're right, Pete. Uh, I have to concur with both of you on the experience of God giving a deep uh, peace in response to a, a, a question that's caused a lot of term, inner turmoil. And I can remember, I think you both said on a couple of occasions, I can remember that peace that swept over me. And it was like instant, and it was like confirmation inside me. But again, as you said, it also has to be uh, not inconsistent with Scripture. That's where we have to be careful when anybody says, you know, God told me. A lot of times they're looking for affirmation to, um, how do I want to say this best, to justify something that they don't think really might be right, but they're, they're sure hoping that somebody's going to tell them, well, in your case, it's okay. you know. But generally speaking, we have the Word of God in the Bible, and He tells us, this is how I want you to act this is what I want you to do. Now, it's not always going to tell us in the Word of God. It's not going to say, Steve, what job should you have? You know, it's not necessarily going to say, you know, who are you supposed to marry? Um, Where are you supposed to live? But that's not to say that God doesn't have a will in these things. They're hard. It's hard to discern sometimes. But God does have a will in these things, and this is where I believe we just need to be open. And for me, personally, it's usually about a peace. And there's also a time, and we're getting almost out of time, speaking of time, that sometimes I think it's almost as though God says, whichever. You know, you're trying to follow me, and I'm going to use you, whether you live in, you know, Ohio or whether you live in Alabama, 
I'm going to use you. And so what happens when we pray? How do we pray? I think, Steve, as you said it, it's a communication. You didn't quite use those words, but it's a communication. It's not just a one-way street. We have to listen to God. We need to pray for God's will. And, Mick, I don't know that we have any great answers, because I believe that God might speak to each of us differently at times. But we do need to pray. And we're about out of time. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel of church leaders discusses biblical topics centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.